the place for you to learn all things you need about becoming the healthiest and best version of you possible. I'm your host, Michael Sack, and I'd love to welcome you to the It All Starts With You podcast, where ambitious people come to learn all about healthy habits, mindset, nutrition, and everything around becoming the best you. Boom. Cool. Alive. Alive. How fucking cool is this? So today on the show, we have Jacob Hibbert from the small search, the small the small search that I did through <laughs> your socials. I love that. Um, That's awesome. You've done your research. Yeah. Well, right. uh, you're very much into your mindset, your nutrition, living this optimal life, which I, I, I value so much. I wanted to... Bring him on, uh, hear your hear your story once again, Jacob. Welcome to it all starts with you. Thank How you, you so. Oh man, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on here. Pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure pleasure to be here. Um, and I really appreciate all the all the content that you put out as well, that health and fitness, and uh, you've got some really cool content. So yeah, feeling good. So for those that don't follow you, that don't really know who you are, give us a quick summary of who who is Jacob. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think I'm actually still discovering that myself. Beautiful. Um, I think um, I'm definitely on a journey of self-discovery, and I think Mm. that's probably the best way to sum up who I am is that you know, since I was about a teenager, um, I guess I went through somewhat of an awakening, if you want to use that word, Mm. Um, which to me, I think it just means that I just started looking within. It's like the answers that I was seeking, I couldn't find outside, you know, in my external reality. And so, you know, like many of us, I think you go through that experience, you know, like, what the fuck is this about? And what does this mean? And why am I here? And what am I going through? Exactly. Until eventually you start asking the important questions like, you know, that come from within that you have to start creating your own answers uh, to find your own truth. Because, you know, you realize that the, I guess, society and uh, mainstream doesn't really have a lot of the answers that we're seeking. Mm. Um, So I think around the age of 15, I went through a bit of um, a depressive episode. Um, I went through some depression. Um, I think it's pretty common. A lot of people go through that. But for me, depression, I, you know, redefining that word and giving it a positive meaning because it's, you know, not a bad thing, I don't think. To no, me, depression no. is yeah. uh, compression, right? So interesting. Yeah. Okay. Deep, uh, keep going into this. I'm, I'm fascinated to hear more about it. Well, it's just like the... Um, diamonds are created under pressure so it's that it's just that understanding that depression is compression so that you know you're being compressed so that you go within and that you find the answers that you're seeking within um and so you know with all the ideas and philosophy and ideas that i have you know ultimately you have the answers that is my probably ultimate truth is that i don't have the answers for you i don't think anyone does uh, you have to figure that out for yourself. And I, I can be a guide. I can show you what works for me. This is me. 
this is Jacob. This is what I've done. This is what I've researched. This is what I've delved into that really complements my life. But ultimately, it's you that has to figure that out. Um, so, yeah, around the age of 15, I started questioning things. I got into spirituality and conspiracies and um, and still very interested in that stuff. Um, but then I started getting into health as well. Um, started becoming very conscious about what I was eating and what I was consuming. Um, uh, some big inspirations in my life have been the Tolmans. I don't know if you're aware of them, but there's a man named Don Tolman and Tyler Tolman. Um, they're, they're all about whole food medicine, um, fasting, um, ancient wisdom from ancient cultures of the past, um, to heal ourselves naturally. Um, and so I was listening to a podcast actually with Don Tolman and he was talking about the doctrine of signatures. Have you heard of the doctrine of signatures? And I'll say I have. Well, it's pretty cool, um, concept or idea. It goes back to the native Americans and the native uh, Chinese and even the Egyptians that you can actually, um, it's based on hermetic principles of Hermes Trismegistus, the law of correspondence, a thing like unto itself yeah. is drawn. So what do you mean? Explain that. Yeah, yeah for sure. So sig- the doctrine of signatures comes from the Latin signum natura, meaning everything has a sign of its nature including fruits and vegetables. So you can literally go find, you know, see an apple or a banana or a carrot Mm. and figure out what its sign is and how it correlates to different parts of the human body. Okay. So I'll give you an example. So Mm. a carrot, Mm. if you get a carrot and if you're at home, you've got a carrot, do this, go cut it open, slice it open. You'll see that it's got a pupil with radiating lines. And so we know that carrots are actually really good for the eyes because they have what's called beta carotene, which is a powerful antioxidant that converts to retinal vitamin A in the liver. And we know vitamin A, uh, 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 what's the word? It prevents macular degeneration of the eyes. Sure. So if you look at a carrot, it looks like an eye, and now there's actual science showing that it targets the eyes. Okay. So that's the doctrine of signatures. You've got other examples, sure. um, like what else could I share? Maybe share everything. Cool Fucking throw everything in there. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, I hope your audience digs this kind of information. Like, kind of, you know, seeing, you know, Hippocrates was an ancient uh, uh, philosopher, and he was the fond, uh, the modern founder of modern medicine. He was the founder of modern medicine. He was a mm-hmm. Greek physician. Um, And he said, let food be thy medicine and medicine thy food. And so, Mm. you know, based on the doctrine of signatures, we can see that foods of the nature are actually medicine for the body um, because the body is essentially a temple and that we can give offerings of light and life to the temple that target specific organs and body systems that support their functioning and even healing and repair like carrots good for the eyes. Um, and you could go avocado is one of my favorite examples. Okay. And avocado. Yeah. I'll just explain the avocado real quick. Yeah. 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 Cause Oh, do you love avocados? Mate, I'm a, I'm a sucker. It's like you go to a cafe and you ask for a (laughs) (laughs) a avocado sandwich or whatever you have you and you pay like fucking 15 bucks and i'm like what the fuck for mate <laughs> but go on i, I love avocados <laughs> uh, i do too um yeah a little bit overpriced especially 
you know, depending on where you go. Yeah. But um, <laughs> it's so good. Uh, I, I could eat avocados, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and they're so good for you. Yeah, they're um, Yeah, go on. So the avocado, it actually takes exactly nine months from a blossom flower to a fully ripened fruit. No way. And so avocado. That's cool. Yeah. And so avocados. Yeah. What are the, what do you think they look like? It kind of looks like a cervix, a pregnant woman, a swollen seed. I've never really thought about that, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, go on. So what the ancient cultures believe that it actually targets the cervix. It's actually good for women. Um, and they also believe that uh, there was a there was a masculine and a feminine t- different food. So it targets men as well, but in mm. the masculine region, the you know guacamoles, if you will. Um, okay, yeah. so, so science shows that avocados, um, are really good for pregnant women in mm. preventing, um, cervical cancer and putting on healthy weight for pregnancy, even losing weight for pregnancy. Right. Um, and they're really good for men in the, you know, opposite region. Yeah. Um, so, and, and this, I'll give another example is, yeah. uh, I heard this story about the scientists that went into this like tribal area sure and they're like um and and the tribal people knew um which specific plant or i think it was a flower to Mm. treat um this snake bite that was killing people and they're like the the botanists were like how did you guys figure out out of the thousands and thousands of plants in this jungle in Mm. this area how did you figure out that that was this specific plant that was the antidote to the snake bite, to the snake venom. And the tribal people, they're like, well, it's obvious. If you look at it, the flower looks like a snake. Okay. And so to them, their thinking is if it looks like a snake, it's good for snake bites. But our rational um, modern Western mind can't get a grip yeah. on that. And so that's mm-hmm. the power of um, nature, giving us signs, giving us clues of what we should be eating and when we should be eating it. And it's actually giving us clues of what to do. Like, you know, that saying, um, you know, if you eat a poisonous plant, oftentimes the antidote to that is like growing in the same region. Right. So nature's always got a solution for us. So I guess coming back to my awakening and all that stuff, finding the doctrine of signatures, um, you know, coming back to nature, coming back to the body as a temple um, has you know, really started me on my journey and wanting to help people mm. um, to heal themselves, to be the best version of themselves um, through different modalities, um, helping people physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and integrative, holistic um, approach to things. So to me, the ancient cultures of the past and finding these like bits of wisdom that I've learned from different teachers, um, just it's really exciting for me. So there's a lot to, to unpack here and you, 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 You've got me really interested in, to say the <laughs> cool, cool, cool. oh, I love talking about this stuff. <laughs> oh, you picked the right person then. Yeah, mate. So awesome. there's a lot to unpack here, but spirit, spirituality, I'm guessing the meditation is a very big thing for you. Um, what led to this spiritual awakening because you talked about depression in very briefly break that break that down a little bit for us yeah so 
I I believe that you know the body, you know, you know, I'll, I'll share something with you that I've uh, I've come across recently that's really added value to my life to do with emotions. Um, yeah. You know, getting into spirituality and the new age movement and spiritual communities, it's been a massive part of my journey. But I found that there's been a lot of um, uh, things that I don't necessarily agree with anymore. Um, and well, just like, you know, the idea of feeling anger or feeling sadness or depression is seen as like, oh, that's a bad thing. And it's like, well, that means that you've got all these issues you need to work through. And I suppose, I think that's true to a degree, but what I've learned is that, you know, after going through all that experience, that we're emotional beings and we're meant to feel, you've got to feel to heal. So like, so many, there's so many, what I'm trying to say is there's so many fake spiritual people out there, so many fake spiritual gurus <laughs> and leaders because they're not, yeah. in t- they're, they're so out of touch with what they're feeling. Like they would never admit that they get angry or that mm. they feel frustration or sad or depression because they're supposed to maintain an image, right? Of like, oh, I've got my shit together and I'm a spiritual leader and I know what I'm talking about. Everything that's coming up in your life, is, it's, this thing to be used. It's not like, a, okay, I feel happy. Great. Use it for something positive. I feel frustration. Use it for something good. I feel happy, sad, anxious, depressed. All of this shit is coming up for you to be used. It's not just this one size fucking fits all. I couldn't agree more. And it took me a while to get that because yeah. whenever I feel angry or upset or feel depressed Mm. i would beat myself up for it Mm. and that makes it worse exactly it's like you're allowed to be fucking angry you're allowed to share if you are upset with someone this took me so long to 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 get this lesson is that if i was angry with someone i Mm. wouldn't tell them because i'm a spiritual person (laughs) 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 right but now <laughs> I'm still learning. Like I'm not perfect, but now it's like, fuck, this pisses me off. Yeah. I'm going to tell this person. I'm not going to, you know, I think there's a difference between projecting your anger onto them and blaming them and, uh, you know, coming at them. But like to share, like, dude, this is how I feel. This is what's coming up for me. I need to share this with you. Like rather than holding it in and internalizing it and it's just becoming, it just becomes poison. And like to share that's what we're here to do. Like it's all about community. Community is common unity. So we have to come together. Like Like, if you, if you're going to change, if we want to change the world, like people are fighting with their partners, people are fighting with their siblings and they want to change the world. It's like, we've got to connect. It's, 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 it's like as above, so below. So we've got to solve our issues on a relationship basis before we start solving you know, the, the, the massive issues of the world. So we've got to improve relationships with ourselves, with other people and talk to each other to communicate with each other. This is what I'm going through. This is what I'm feeling. Um, it's healthy. It's, it's what we're supposed to do. I think there's a massive lack of communication. And I think that's one of the reasons as to why people have decided to start going to gyms or start going to meetups or anything like that is because they're craving community more than ever. Absolutely. Um, And since being on the coast, I've been seeing um, 
once a week going to a men's group, which I've never done before. Um, I don't know if you've gone to a men's group or familiar with that, but uh, it's, yeah, it's been really, really helpful for me because, you know, do you mind if I just touch on a little bit of masculinity? Go for it. Go, go, go. Go nuts, mate. Yeah, cool. Like, and, and this is another big thing for me that I've, that I've had to go through in learning what is masculinity because these men's group, you know, they're kind of a little bit difficult at first. Like you're really opening up in front of strangers. You're sharing what you're going through. Sure. Uh, and it, co- it kind of goes against our masculine nature to a degree because, mm-hmm. you know, to be masculine, the key to masculinity for a man specifically mm. is his confidence. And so confidence is really important for women. It's, it's important for men. But when it comes to a man's masculinity, confidence I believe is the key. And so if you're not confident, you don't feel masculine. You don't feel like you're in your masculine. And as men, we want to be in our masculine. We generally, this is general, right? So not every man is going to be the same. But for a lot of us. Yeah, there's uh, femininity and there's masculinity. You can have a female that, that has predominant masculinity and then you have guys, men, that have more femininity in them than the other way around yeah but keep going yeah and that's totally there's no there's no right or wrong it's whatever the individual is right for them every person Um, exactly um and so for a man he wants to be masculine he wants to step into his masculinity generally speaking and so to to be vulnerable and to and to speak up like i feel weak or i feel like i'm struggling or i don't i feel lost it's Mm. hard at times for a lot of men and so we have to get out of that habit um, of hiding it, hiding it and internalizing it, finding a safe group so you can actually open up, um, so you can actually heal and process it. Um, because, you know, it's actually masculine to share your emotions because masculinity is about truth or it's about confidence. And so if you're hiding from your emotions, trying to hide that, oh, I don't feel sad. Oh, I don't feel this way. That's I'm a man. Yeah. But you do feel that way. Every man gets depressed. Every man feels sad. Every man um, feels these, you know, feeling lost, feeling vulnerable. Every man, doesn't matter how masculine you are, goes Mm -hmm. through those emotions. So to hide from them and to pretend they're not there is not masculinity. Because the truth is you do feel that way. Sure. And it's, it's, it's almost like I'm, I'm not afraid to feel. I'm not afraid to be scared. I'm not afraid to be afraid. I'm not afraid to feel lost because these feelings are okay. And to me, that's a positive, that's positive masculinity. 100%. Um, and so going to the men's group, uh, yeah, a lot of things have been clicking for me and a lot of things are like, wow, wow, okay. That's so cool. I- I'm getting it. It's amazing. I think, and it's also this, excuse me, this growing thing that <laughs> there is no, there is no roadmap for guys to really open up and slowly, but surely it's getting there. And what, and what, femininity and what feminism has really brought to the page is like uh, okay there are discri- there are discrimination against women i'm not doubting that for a second 
But that's what's also brought onto the page is that, hey, guys struggle a lot because of society of societal society norms we need to be the providers we need to be doing this that this that although all this pressure is on top of our shoulders and then when we want to open up it's like you need to get this shit off your chest you need to work through it yeah people need to be supportive you can't do this shit alone you just can't (laughs) (laughs) You, you just yeah i know Slowly but but surely, it's improving bit by bit. So (laughs) tell us about conspiracies. You talked about it, and it's it's an interesting subject. I can go down in the fucking rabbit hole with it. But (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, I've I've gotten into some conspiracies for sure. well, like you, you've obviously done a lot of research on some different things about, you know, uh, different conspiracies. Sure. That's fine. Okay. Yeah, go on. Well, uh, yeah, I feel like there's a lot to share. I, like, ultimately, I honestly don't know the truth. Like, I've done, I've done my research, yeah, and I'm not here to say that I know, but no one really knows. Mm-hmm. But there are some there are some things that just don't add up. Like if you actually do some research, which people aren't. And by the way, watching TV is not doing research. No. Um, <laughs> so for anyone who didn't know, because like, I've done my research, I went to public school and I went to, I got formal education and I, I watched TV to get my information. That's, in my opinion, that's well, that's a one form of information. That's one stream. And so I think it's important as you know to be holistic integrative individuals to get multiple streams of information so we can make an educated decision on what's true for us so how can we make an educated choice an educated decision on the truth if we're just getting one stream of information which is the mainstream media and the news and the uh, politicians to me there's a lot of corruption going on and you don't you don't even have to be into conspiracies to just on some level know that there's a lot of corruption in politics in our government. Oh, 100%. Um, it's like, so people, I'd say that the first thing I point people to is, you know, just the idea of lobbying. What is lobbying? It's legal bribery. So if a politician wants to, or a, uh, sorry, yeah, if a uh, large corporation wants to create a law that benefits them, mm. they just throw some, chuck some money at a politician, call it lobbying, and they enact the law that benefits them and doesn't benefit or serve the people. And, and for me, the big one is the, the big pharma. So big pharmaceutical industry and the vaccines, all this stuff going on. Um, and so yeah, what I would say is like, you need to do your own research. Right. Um, there's a great documentary if you're interested in learning about vaccinations and are they safe and should I be getting vaxxed and all these things um, is it's not an anti-vaccination documentary. It's a pro-safe documentary. Yes. Have you seen it? How do you, how do you, how do you prove it? The way that, uh, the way that uh, I see education is that you show both sides uh, of the picture, both sides are of the spectrum without a bias without now that is naturally 
quite hard. Uh, it is. Everyone, it is. everyone has a bias, but it's like we're sure documentaries are amazing, but every person naturally has a bias. Yeah, for sure. And I would still recommend people go watching it because I think it does a very good job at doing its best to not be biased. Okay. It just, it, it's, I find it to be one of the more objective documentaries that I've watched, in my opinion, gotcha. where it's uh, not totally against vac- vaccinations at all. Mm. It's just like, well, what's really going on here? Has there been some fraud and some, you know, stuff going on behind the scenes that we're not aware of? And I would say if you want to get another stream, another perspective on, you know, that type of thing, then that would be a good documentary to watch. Sure. Um, but, yeah, not here to, uh, what's the word, just, like, say that I know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. No, I think that, um, yeah, when it comes to eating, when it comes to eating healthy and trying to stay away from big pharma, pharmaceuticals and all of that, at the end of the day, the majority, now I'm no medical professional by yeah. any means, the vast majority of things so that we can control it does come from it does come from our food. We are ultimately need to be eating a healthier, obviously enjoying the sweeter things they in a life, but without abusing ourselves, abusing our bodies, then relying on these pills just to put a band-aid over one thing and let something else to pop up. It's not the solution. It comes from our nutrition at the end of the day. I I fully support that. Um, You know, I'm all about uh, going back to nature, coming back to simplicity. Um, And for me, the, you know, big pharma and the pills and the supplements and all these things, they have a place for sure. Sure. But a lot of people will run to them as soon as like they get a headache. The first thing they do is take um, Panadol, (laughs) right? So, and so I'll share a little bit about um, my philosophy on that um, is that, you know, these, these drugs, these pharmaceutical drugs can only um, treat the symptoms of a disease or symptoms of these problems. Like, and, and a great example is really simple one to understand is the headache. And so if you talk to somebody who has a headache, nine out of 10 times the headache is probably going to be from dehydration, nine out of 10 times. There's definitely other factors, but that seems to be a big thing for people is not drinking enough water. Um, And so people don't realize they're dehydrated. So what's going on is that why they're they're in pain is because the ventricles or the capillaries around the brain are constricting and they're constricting because the brain is like 80 something percent water. And it's trying to hold onto water. It's trying to preserve the water that's in your brain to keep you alive and healthy and functioning. And so that constriction we experience as pain. And so rather than, you know, going to the cause and hydrating the body and through a process called osmotic precipitation is when water goes straight up to the brain and hydrates the brain, instead of treating the cause, excuse me, we treat the symptoms. So we take a neurotoxin, which, you know, cuts off the connection to the pain in the brain, 
um, and so that you don't feel it anymore. Ah, oh, the headache's gone, but actually the headache is still there. The pain is still there. The constriction is still there. You just can't feel it anymore. You've just put a Band-Aid on top of it. And so there's a lot of things that we need to get back to is, you know, uh, letting food be thy medicine. Um, I'm really passionate about longevity and specifically the longest lived cultures around the planet. I don't know if you're familiar with the blue zones. Um, National Geographic did studies on what's called the blue zones. So blue zones are cultures of people that live past 100 years of age. So they've got people in their tribe or their society that are living past 100. And so there's so much like controversy on diet and lifestyle and it's understandable. But for me, this is just, this is just me, what makes sense to me. And this is what I base my um, teachings on and what I help people with is, um, you know, if we want to be healthy, who's, who's the healthiest culture? Who's the, who's living the longest, these blue zones. So what are they doing? Um, That's, that's the question that I ask. So cultures like the uh, Tarahumara Indians of Mexico, the Okinawa of Japan, um, the uh, Abkhazia of Russia, the Sardinia of Italy, the Ikaria of Greece. Um, all these cultures have people living past 100 years of age. Mm-hmm. And so what are they doing? What are they doing in their daily lifestyle that we can actually you know, prevent disease and live a long, healthy life? So you don't need to be taking these drugs um, or avoid them as much as you can. So there's actually seven things that they live by, which I'm happy to talk about. Yeah, I was, I was about to ask. It's like, okay, so what are they doing? <laughs> share, share away. Awesome. Well, they're, um, you know, based on my mentor, Tyler Tolman, Don Tolman, what they've been preaching for a long time is based off these longest lived cultures as Don went and lived with a few of them. And he observed um, some specific traits and he found seven traits that they're all living by that we should live by. Mm. And so the first one is air. So I'll just name them real quick and then I can go into a little bit depth. But the first okay. one is air, okay. water, yeah. sunshine, mm-hmm. whole foods, exercise, relationships, and passion. So those are the seven yeah. principles of health that we should all be focusing on on a daily basis okay. to prevent disease and live a long, healthy life. So we don't have to be taking these medications if we can help it. Okay. Um, so air quality is super important. So what if, uh, sorry, so what if someone is going to be listening to this and they're in the middle of New York, they're a smack bam in the middle of the city, <laughs> how are they meant to do that? That's, that's yeah, there's a few different things you can do. Yeah. Um, and it's hard because there's a lot of heavy metals that that person, and probably even me on the Gold Coast, would be ingesting on a daily basis. That would be off-gassing. So we live we live in a toxic world, unfortunately, and if you can go live out in nature somewhere, that's amazing. Um, but for a lot of us, that's not applicable. So what we do is we bring nature to us. So every, ro- every room in your house should have at least one plant, and the, the, the room that you sleep in should have at least three plants in it um, because these plants actually filter the air and they purify the air. Um, and I'll name a few. You've got like the peace lily, areca palm, bamboo, mother-in-law's tongue. Um, any plant really is good, but the, they actually, <laughs> mother-in-law's tongue, it literally looks like a tongue. It's pretty cool. Um, uh, the money plant. 
they're actually those those ones I just mentioned, they actually take into outer space because they're so good at purifying the air and producing tons of oxygen um, that, you know, are really good for the astronauts up in space. NASA, help me make sure it's actually correct. <laughs> yeah, true. Never a straight answer, NASA. Yeah, go on. Um, so, but even in our living area, um, actually, I've got the fans spinning right now. So air quality is super important. What, when air moves like about five feet, it actually becomes ionized. It becomes electrified. Huh. Um, and so that's why fans get all this dust particle gathered around them sure. is because the ionization, the electricity that's created um, that attracts the dust particles. Right. So having the fan on or keeping the uh, window open a little bit will allow for fresh air to come in to be electrified because your blood is actually purified by the fresh air that you ingest, that you breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, so because, you know, you breathe in oxygen, you breathe out carbon dioxide, and you're actually breathing out acid from the body, and it's important to get that acid out. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we're, not, if we're breathing stagnant air all day, like if the walls are off-gassing and the furniture and, and appliances are off-gassing benzene and formaldehyde and these toxic chemicals, especially if they're new homes or new appliances, um, then that can lead to issues and respiratory conditions down the track. We don't want to be consuming that. So what we want to do is open up the window if you live in a city, mm. um, open up the window if you can a little bit, or at least just like once or twice a day, just open everything up and just let everything air and air mm. out. And put plants everywhere because they're gonna. These plants are actually gonna filter the, you know, benzene and formaldehyde and the heavy metals and the pollution from, you know, the environment. So, and of course, there's different breathing exercises you can do. But yeah, that's that's what I would say if you're living in the city. Beautiful. Okay. So you did air. What were the uh, what were the other things you had? Next one was water. Yeah. So. Yeah, obviously water is super important as better, you know, it's important for not getting a headache. Um, a lot of people say different things about how much water you can drink. Um, based on my research, you know, uh, we should be drinking at least one liter per 22 kilograms of body weight. Um, so if you are around 60, uh, what, 63, 64 kilos, you should be drinking about three liters. 66 kilos, you should be drinking three liters of water a day as a bare minimum um, because there was this doctor called Dr. Batman Belige. That was his actual name, Dr. Batman. Um, and so this is where this information is coming from. Okay. Um, he has a book called Your Body's Many Cries for Water. Huh. Um, and so oftentimes we think we're actually hungry we're actually just really dehydrated or actually we get a lot of physical pain uh it's because we're actually dehydrated if you have aches and pains and like oh like your back hurts a lot of people get back pain when they start sitting for too long yeah i think that's part of it and i think it's also because most people are chronically dehydrated because the discs become dehydrated and they start to pinch the nerves and that creates a lot of pain for a lot of people. And if they were just dehydrate, and it can take two weeks because they're so chronically dehydrated to rehydrate the discs so there's no more, you know, joint pain. Um, mm. But, yeah, I think making sure you're drinking enough water on a daily basis, super important. 
you know, as a barometer, um, if you feel the, the, the urge for thirst, that's your body's last sign of dehydration, not its first. So a lot of people think is when they feel thirsty, they should drink water. It's actually your body's last sign. Awesome. Let's drink some water. Speaking of which. If you're watching this, get some filtered water. Get some water in your mouth. <laughs> exactly. Um, so next one was uh, sunshine. sunshine. We all know about vitamin D, which is actually a hormone, which is so important for your mental and emotional health. Um, you That's look right. at like, go on. Go. Go on. Sorry. Yeah, you look at um, different cultures like... I think in the UK, the, the people that get the least amount of sunlight, they have the highest rates of suicide, unfortunately. And mm. is, that a, is there a correlation there? I think there's something to it. So, mm. you know, producing those happy hormones, um, you know, your pituitary gland is like the master gland that keeps all the other glands in check. Mm. And getting enough sunlight, exposing your body to enough sunlight is really important for your mental, emotional health, for your endocrine system. Sure. And also strong, healthy bones, calcium absorption, vitamin D dramatically in increases calcium absorption. Mm -hmm. So if you want to avoid osteoporosis, getting older, you should be getting um, out in the sun and not being afraid of it, in my opinion. We should use caution with the sun. We should have get moderate mm -hmm. amount. Um, but vitamin D is like, like you talk to anyone who knows what they're talking about, will tell you to get out in the sun. Like, that's just my opinion. If, if, if somebody's telling you to stay out of the sun, to be afraid of the sun, I just don't think they've done enough research. Um, which, which brings up, which brings up, um, two things. So there's like a certain time in the day in which that someone's highest absorption of vitamin D is, is there's like a certain time within the day, the time bracket in which that it's prime time to, to get your vitamin D. And it goes on to the, it goes on to my second point. The people that are going to be listening to this, either in Melbourne or anywhere, that you're stuck inside because of your lockdown or whatever. It's still no, it's still no, it's like, sure, every person is going to be different, but if you do have the chance to actually step outside your house and absorb, like you get a little bit of sun, it does absolute wonders. But if for those people that can't, I wonder where their head is at because you're stuck yep. inside the same fucking place. I, I fully, yeah. I, I spent the last six months in Melbourne. Um, I, that's why I moved back up to the Gold Coast. It was great. Not knocking Melbourne. We went straight into stage four lockdown. Um, and I just really missed the whole lifestyle up here. But, you know, I was in Melbourne and uh, my housemates actually had a solarium um, because during the winter months, it was hard to get enough sunlight. It was, there was not a lot of sun during the winter in Melbourne. No. Um, and so with a solarium, I think 
a lot of people are against them. And I think they're illegal in a few countries because they people uh, essentially they abuse them. And I think that's why there's issues with them is like if you've got 24 hours of access to the sun in your living room, people can abuse it and they they'll get ridiculous amounts of being on the tanning bed. Essentially, you know, you become a tanning mom. If you look her up, she, she, she just abused it. And that's where the issues come in. But if you get like 10, 15 minutes a day of that, it's a lifesaver because it produces vitamin D just like getting out in the sun. And a lot of people will say, well, just take a supplement. Um, you know, I, I guess that's okay, but I really don't think it's anything quite like your own body's producing its own vitamin D that's meant for you. I don't think it's quite like, it's quite the same as taking a supplement. Maybe taking a supplement is better than absolutely nothing, yeah. um, you know, but if you can get access to the sun or if you can't get access to the sun by solarium, or a sun lamp, or just get out, like get out in the sun whenever you can um, is the best thing. And then, I don't know, I haven't really looked too deeply into different supplements, but maybe find a high quality vitamin D supplement. Um, maybe you know more about that than me, but people can take. Yeah. Um, but yeah, vitamin D, bone health, mental health, um, sure. super important. And then... Oh, you want me to keep going? Uh, I was actually just going to keep moving it because so we can <laughs> we can keep talking about this on and on and on and on. For on. sure, man. Yeah. You talked about whole foods. Now, yeah. what what exactly do you mean by that? What do you mean by whole foods? Yeah. So a whole food to me is a food that you find in nature in its whole complete form or at least eating as much of that as you can. Like, obviously, you know, I eat oats for breakfast and it's processed to a degree, but it's, in my opinion, it's still a whole food. Okay. Like the whole food oat would, you know, it wouldn't be very nice to eat. You'd have to cook it and process it to some degree. So some level of processing is required, but essentially, you know, if a child can identify it, it's probably a whole food, like an apple is a whole food, a banana, a carrot, um these types of things plant whole foods me personally um i'm plant-based i'm mostly vegan um and so just on that you know not being dogmatic or anything but if you look at the longest lived cultures these blue zones they were plant-based so they weren't vegan or vegetarian so i'm not here to shove that down anyone's throat they were eating animal products they were eating a bit of fish a bit of meat but they weren't eating it three times a day, seven days a week, like our Western cultures are today. They would, you know, maybe go out and kill a goat and share it with the tribe once a month, have a little bit of egg once or twice a week, fish once a week type of thing. It wasn't like a, like people today, they can't go a single meal without some type of animal product. And to me, that's not really based on what our longest lived cultures and even our tribal ancestors lived by. Um, so what I promote and what I suggest people to do is to go plant-based. So to eat around 70 to 80% of your diet coming from plant whole foods. And if you want to supplement your diet with a bit of fish and some eggs, and occasionally I'll have some eggs too. Like I do, I don't try to be too dogmatic with my diet and lifestyle. Sometimes I just like having some eggs. Um, I haven't eaten meat 
in about eight years and I don't think I'll ever eat meat again. But hey, that's just me. I'm not here to say anyone has to be like me and has to be. I think you can absolutely be um, healthy and eat meat. I, I, I really do believe that. And there are many sick vegetarians and vegans out there as well. Yeah, so are. I think it's really about a holistic approach. It's getting enough fresh fruits and vegetables, whole foods, um, mostly plant whole foods. And I think if you're doing that, then you're on the right track, living like these long live cultures, you know, having a little bit of meat, a little bit of fish type of thing is okay. In my opinion. It's interesting because there's a lot of people that swear by veganism. And then you have some people that swear by carnival. So it's, it's super interesting. But what you touched on speaks to me quite significantly. It's, living as a holistic and not starving and not starving yourself based on a principle, which is super, super important because like you said, there's some people that go onto the veganism and are killing themselves because of a lack of X, Y, and Z. It's like, it's, there's some people that go to no, to no extremes and it's like, it's like, again, it comes back to everything that has been a place on this earth that has its purpose to feed us so we can give back. So we live this, so we live somewhat of a healthier and better lifestyle. I, <laughs> I even tried going veganism and it was an experience. I miss me too much. <laughs> but I you know what? I, yeah, go on. Oh, I just, I have a lot more respect for hunters than I do a lot of vegans, in my opinion. Really? Because yeah. Okay. Because they're actually, because there's a level of connection. Mm. And so there are a lot of unpleasant, angry vegans out there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, you don't need so, yeah, go on. Yeah, so like, you know, for somebody to go out there and be connected and to hunt an animal is, mm. you know, and to be connected to that process and have respect for the animal, I think that's a lot better than um, what the average American or average Australian does where they just go and buy a package nearly thing. They've got no idea what they're consuming. You know, I think, you know, vegans and meat eaters can come together and we can actually agree on a lot of things Absolutely. um you know they're at war at the moment and one side is they're they're always at war with each other and you know i'm on one side of the fence but i can have respect and i can see where other people are coming from sure. so um you know i think we can both you know meat eaters and hunters and vegans can agree that factory farming is fucked it's at the yeah, it is, and at the end of the day, they were there before us. It's a matter of, um, I lost my train of thought. It's a matter, <laughs> it's a matter of finding a, a plan that we can live on this earth without ultimately destroying this earth. Yeah, if we only it's have one, and once it's gone, it's gone. Can't reverse it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I think, yeah, just the way we're going about things now, um, 
the factory farming and it's totally, totally unsustainable. And it's not, it's not um, good for the animals. Like there's a lot of suffering and pain involved. Um, So something needs to change. And I think, you know, like why just because somebody like somebody eats meat, why do I have to be, uh, why can't I be friends with them? Like why, what's this divide all about between like, and I'm very much like, I've been very involved in these different, in the vegan community and very, you know, passionate about these things, but the, the, the massive divide needs to change. Um, because like we've got to change. And so how can we, how can we help each other? How can we find solutions if we're in this divide and we're hating each other? Cause I don't hate anyone. Like if you eat meat, I'll never hate you. Like, like, because my way is not the only way and I don't know everything. Yeah. So I know what works for me. Like I said, at the beginning of this yeah. video, like you have to find your own truth for me. Okay. It doesn't, it just doesn't feel right for me to eat animals. And I feel really good as I do. But for some people, some people go vegan um, and it's just not for them. It just doesn't work for them. And I think that's okay, man. Don't stress about it. Like if you want to have some fish, oh, I can't believe I'm saying this. If you want to try carnivore, even though I'm not into the carnivore thing, if you want to do it, do it. Find what works for you. Find what your body's working for you. But in my opinion, I think, you know, the longest lived cultures, I think they were doing something right. And I think we should give that a go and see how you go with that. That would be my recommendation. Just like, it's not a, it's not a having a bias and it comes down to ego on the many different levels because some people aren't willing to try something new. If someone comes to a personal trainer, they want to lose weight and they ask me, how do I lose weight? So I say, going to a caloric deficit, do this, this, this. And they're like, nah, I'm going to do it my way. So I'm like, why the fuck did you ask me? It's like the people that have <laughs> an ego, they're not willing to try something different. And it's the same with this divide, as you said. It's their yeah. egos. They're not willing to open their minds to something different. So it's like, if you're open and you have an open mind, yeah go for it have a crack at it (laughs) what's the worst that's gonna happen (laughs) for sure um you've got to find your path you've got to walk everybody's path is different everybody's journey in life is different how boring would it be if everybody was the same and if everybody was doing the same thing i can put me to sleep (laughs) yeah it's it's great to have contrast it's like it's fun that other people are doing a, a opposite diet to you because yeah. then you get to learn something. Mm. Otherwise, you wouldn't learn anything. Exactly. Fucking nice. Lastly, fasting. Big subject. I'm oh. a big fan. I'm a big fan of it. But I'm curious to, to I'm curious to hear your take. What's been working for you? What have you tried? Uh, give us the rundown. Great. Well, I'm massively into fasting. Um, extended water fasting, juice fasting, and intermittent fasting. I practice all of them and I love, I think there's, there's so much science, there's so much benefit for all of them. Are you talking specifically about intermittent fasting? Anything. 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 Just fasting in general. 
Sure. Yeah, well, I guess I'll just explain, like people don't really know what fasting or intermittent fasting is, yeah. is that everybody fasts on a daily basis. So when you stop eating at, at night, when you have your last meal, you, mm. you begin your fast. And mm. then in the morning, you break your fast with breakfast. breakfast. That's what breakfast means, is, yeah, is, mm. is breaking your fast. So intermittent fasting is just simply extending the period of time that you would normally fast. So you might, you know, have dinner at eight o'clock at night mm. and then you might wake up at seven o'clock and have a coffee and a piece of fruit or something like that and you'd be breaking a fast. But intermittent fasting, you might extend that period. You might go till uh, 10 o'clock in the morning or you might go till noon. So that would be extending your period and there's so many different um ways to change it around you could you could even fast at night and eat um in the morning and still be doing intermittent fasting so they call it like your eating window right, right. so i guess most people's eating window is around uh 12 hours i would say and so okay. intermittent fasting you ex you concentrate the eating window down even further um down to eight and i aim for about six hour eating window um, I'm not perfect with it, but generally I, for example, try to stop eating at 6 p.m. at night and then I'll have my first meal of the day at noon, about 12. So that's an 18-hour fast with a six-hour eating window, if that makes sense. And that's what uh, – it's, it's a very common thing. The people that, that are getting into it, most to start with a 68, everyone that has a – Oh, yeah. fast, an eight-hour eating window, and everyone's schedule is different. So you base it around what you what you can do. Some people do sixteen hours. Some people do at eighteen. I've done twenty-four. The longest nice. that I've done was thirty hours, and that it's it's a trip in which that. We're so conditioned to, to think of that we have to be eating every two hours. It's not the story. You can be when you tell yourself that you show yourself that you don't have to eat every two hours and then you get up to 18 hours, 20 hours, 24, mm. 30, 36, however long. It's like, holy shit, your confidence and your relationship with food is drastically different. I mean, when you like, it does, it completely changes your relationship with food and the, the amount of gratitude you can have for food, like, like, especially if you do one meal a day, like 24 hours yeah. uh, or 23 hours, mm. um, man, after having your first meal, like by the time I'm ready for breakfast, I'm like, I'm so excited. Like I'm the happiest and just having it first, I was like, oh, oh my God, this is amazing. Fucking unbelievable. And it just, it, just, it is, it's unbelievable. And like yeah. most people that go throughout the day, just shoving food down their, their bodies. And like, there's yeah. no connection with the food. There's no relationship with the food. There's no love. There's no, um, it's just a habitual habit. Just, oh, it's breakfast right. time to eat. Oh, it's lunchtime. It's time to eat. Oh, it's dinner. It's time to eat. But actually, if you, if you go without eating for a little bit, when you do have your first meal, mm. you'll be amazed how, how sustainable it can be for your energy levels and your mental and emotional health. Um, I find it, yeah, have, has been amazing. Um, intermittent fasting for that matter. And then extended water fasting is a whole different thing as well. 
Um, the longest water fast I've ever done is 14 days on pure water. 14 days. What yeah. in the actual fuck? That's insane. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. There are a lot of people uh, who go a lot longer, and I've got some really interesting stories about the different fasts I've done. Okay. Um, I did yeah. a, yeah, I did yeah, a, I did a 10 day water fast, um, in end of 2019 with a group of 10 other men. Mm. It was actually filmed and documented and it's going mm. to be in a documentary called fasting the healer within by, um, Sinclair and Saxon Fisher gray. They're twins. If you have, um, if you have a link, send it over and I'll put it in the, I'll put it in the show notes, but go yeah, on. Yeah. He, Sinclair is probably going to absolutely love that I'm mentioning him because he, they need funding to complete the documentary. Yeah. Um, they're just trying to get over a few little hurdles. So they're offering different services. If you want to go over there, we'll, we'll do the links and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. We'll but that. there's a trailer I can send to you and you can potentially post it in the link. But uh, it's essentially about Sinclair and his fasting journey for healing. Um, you know, he had some issues with his back in sport, um, playing footy um, and went through a discovery process of fasting and regenerated different parts of his disc, his disc and his spine. Mm. Um, but anyway, he decided to do a 40-day water fast. That's commitment. Ridiculous, insane. Um, totally doable, but... If anybody's interested, let, let me just say, if anybody's curious about fasting, it's like, oh, I'm going to go do a water fast. Please do your research. Don't just go do a water fast. It, definitely don't go do a 40-day water fast without doing any go, research. Go, go. If you have any type of medical condition, go see your GP. See a medical professional. That we're just... We're just a couple of guys having a chat. It's <laughs> like talking about stuff, but if you are interested... Go, go speak to a medical professional before doing something. <laughs> go on. I totally agree with that. Um, he was medically monitored on his water fast. This was in Bali, by the way. This was in the northern parts of Bali in the jungle. So he, he would have um, a couple of specialists come test his urine and blood every second day just to make sure that he was okay. Yeah. Um, that everything was in balance, that he wasn't, his kidneys weren't going to go into failure because that's a potential, um, which th yeah. thankfully didn't happen. Well, that's good. But anyway, so he got to about day 30 of his water fast. On day 30, 10 other men, including myself, went up to North Bali with him and completed the rest of the water fast with him. And so that was documented. Um, and it was an experience. Um you know, fasting goes back thousands of years. It goes back to Jesus and Buddha and um, philosophers like Pythagoras and Gandhi and Hippocrates and Socrates and um, different religions. And it goes back to our evolution, like we're designed to fast. We're designed to go for long periods of fasting. And actually amazing things happen when you fast. Um, and so when you go three days without food, your body uses all your glucose, all your glycogen reserves. And so you probably are very familiar with this and you go into ketosis, right? Yeah, so ketosis, um, as you probably know, is when you start using ketones as fuel, which is fat. So after the body uses its 
glycogen reserves from the muscle and the liver after about three days, roughly, you switch the fat as fuel. And in that process of using ketones as fuel, the body produces what's called embryonic style stem cells. And embryonic style stem cells have what's called pluripotency. And so can you hear me? Yeah, cool, cool. Great, great. So they have what's called pluripotency. Mm. And so if you look into the work of Dr. Herbert M. Shelton or Dr. Bruce Lipton, um, Dr. Mm. Bruce Lipton, what he found was that stem cells have what's called pluripotency. And what that means is a pluripotent cell can become any cell at once. So Mm. he took in a Petri dish some bone cells and he took a stem cell and put it with the bone cells and the stem Mm. cell became a bone cell. Mm. So if you have heart cells in a Petri dish and you take the stem stem cell and you put the stem cell with the heart cell, the stem cell becomes a heart cell. So a stem cell has the potential to become any cell it wants. And so this is... Yeah, go on, sorry. And so this is how the body regenerates itself on a water fast is your body starts producing. This is how he healed his spine, right? From these major injuries is his body started producing embryonic style stem cells, which were pluripotent. And they started to regenerate and heal his spine. That's amazing. It is amazing. So more interesting. So many amazing benefits for fasting, but be wise be really smart about it because it can be if you fuck up a fast um it can be just as detrimental like you've got to really know what you're doing and know do your research guys um there's it's such a big topic to get into um so also it's also okay if someone decides to do a fast my body is in a good place to fast go fast what are you going to have after your fast, that's going to actually make the fasting work for you. That's how ultimately the whole purpose of it. How is this going to help us live a better life? Well, that's true. Like, so people will go do a fast and they'll get all these amazing benefits, amazing, amazing yeah. benefits. And then they go back to their normal diet and lifestyle and all the issues the come back. It's what's the point? Exactly. It's actually what you do on a daily basis that leads to health and longevity. Mm. So um, I liken it to brushing your teeth and going to the dentist. So you should brush your teeth twice a day, every single day for healthy teeth, right? And then you should, well, (laughs) (laughs) I reckon you should. (laughs) I I think it's good too. Um, And you should see a dentist maybe once or twice a year. This is just an analogy, right? Yeah, yeah. So water fasting is the same. So you should eat a healthy diet and lifestyle every single day and then doing a water fast once or twice a year properly in a proper environment uh, can be a really, really benefit. But if you're not doing, if you're not brushing your teeth every single day, don't bother going to the dentist type of thing. That's what I'm trying to say is like, if you're not willing to eat a healthy diet and lifestyle and do the right things, don't bother with the water fast. Uh, I'll just say Socrates um, said an interesting thing because he was a proponent for fasting. Mm. Any fool can fast. So any fool can fast, but it takes great wisdom to break your fast. Show me how you break your fast. Mm. So the breaking of the fast is the most important aspect of fasting. If you don't break your fast properly, 
Mm. and you can mess up your digestion and undo all the good things that you've done. What you don't want after a water fast is you don't want to be in McDonald's um, <laughs> having a Big Mac because it's going to stuff you up. <laughs> yeah. Because this, okay, what happened to me on my last fast is mm. I didn't break it quite properly. Okay. So what happened was... Um, on the 11th day of the water fast, we went down to the beach early sunrise and we had some coconut water and some fresh pineapple juice. The reason why you would do that is because it's a liquid because you essentially your digestive system has begun to shut down. So you want to wake up your digestive system very slowly so they can actually digest the food. Mm. So what I ended up doing, because breaking the fast is actually the hardest part of fasting, what people don't realize. It's like the fasting itself, that part's the easy part. When you break the fast, that's where the real challenge comes in. So what I did is I had my juice and I had a coconut water. I was feeling great, absolute bliss. I actually started crying, just started laughing. It was, I was tripping on uh, fresh juice and coconut water, right? It was absolute bliss. Like all 10 of us mm. tripping on this juice sunrise, unforgettable experience. Mm. But then later in the day, I had a smoothie. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll have a smoothie. I'll have some bananas and some coconut milk. And it's like really healthy, good organic ingredients. It's all fresh. Mm. But my body wasn't ready for that. My digestive system was still slowly waking up. So, and I ended up vomiting it, vomiting it all back up. Ooh. So my body just rejected it. Ugh. Wasn't ready for it. Mm. So you've got to begin to wake up your digestive system really slowly, having the liquids. Um, to me, that's a proper way to break your fast. This is the beauty of it. It's like, you know what works. You see, you, you know what works. You know what doesn't work. Just Exactly. Exactly. The body, the body's very intelligent and knows what you need. So listen to it. Mate, this has been super fascinating. Lastly, uh, one last one last question. If you were to go back to your 18-year-old self and give him 10 seconds of advice, <laughs> what would that be? Oh, that is such a good question. I know, right? <laughs> 18. Okay. 18. 10 seconds of the clock. I would say relax and have fun. Mm. I was getting deep into fasting and spirituality then, mm. um, and which, which is great. It was all part of my journey. Mm. But, you know, what about having fun and going out there, like meditating and fasting and all that stuff? You know, there's a balance to life. We've got to have the balance, you know, all this spiritual meditation, fasting, all this, you know, deep, amazing stuff that really you get to learn about yourself. But, you know, the monks said carrying water and chopping wood is just as spiritual act as any other thing is meditating. So to me, I would just say, you know, hey, man, just don't take yourself so seriously. Stop taking life so seriously. Things are unfolding perfectly for you. Relax, have fun. Don't be so serious. Don't be so hard on yourself. Everything's unfolding perfectly. You're doing great. Love it. Fucking love it. Where can people find you on social media? Yeah, so my Instagram is Jacob Hibbard Wellness. 
So you can find me there or just look up Jacob Hibbard. I have a couple pages there. Add me on Facebook if you like, or send me a message. Um, if you'd like to connect, um, happy to do like a free, if you're watching this, happy to do like a free 15 minute consultation, consultation if anybody's interested in that um, and just have a quick chat is totally cool. Jacob, mate, this has been super, super fascinating. I hope that people have taken some type of nugget from this that can I actually go and implement it and to live a better life. Once again, I want to thank you for giving us your time and yeah. Cheers. Oh, actually, I thoroughly enjoyed this. This was so much fun. Um, I really appreciate the, the platform opportunity just to let me rant and ramble and for us to go back and forth and share ideas. Um, Good fun. You know, really cool stuff. I love it, man. Cheers, legend. Thanks, everyone. Bye. See ya. Thank you so much for tuning in. Would mean the world to me if you left a five-star written review and subscribe so we can all make a bigger impact together.